This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 22, Idea to Story. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. The origin of this podcast came from a comment someone made on one of our threads on our website where they said, how do you take an idea and turn it into a story? And we thought, well, let's give it a try. So what we're going to do is I have come up with an idea. Um, it's not a particularly good idea, but it is an idea. Howard and Dan <laughs> have no idea. Um, I'm saying that word too often. We have no idea about your idea? What my idea is, I'm going to throw it out Then we're going to watch and see how we turn this into a story. So the idea is insects have suddenly become resilient to all forms of pesticide, and it is making them so that, that they are actually um, poisonous to their predators, and uh, we're having lots of trouble all of a sudden with uh, growing food. All right. Okay. So, Dan, where do you go from there? Well, when I start looking at an idea to turn it into a story, I look for points of conflict. Where do the, el the story elements kind of come against each other to, to create interesting stories? And so in an idea like this, you look at, like you said, uh, it's very difficult for us to grow and produce food. So starvation becomes a conflict. Uh, farmers that cannot uh, sell anything and they, they now become destitute and homeless, that could be an interesting conflict. It could be an interesting character to go with. The scientists who are trying to solve this problem now have a conflict. Um, so there's interesting little bits like that that instantly let you say, ah, okay. there's, there's a jumping off point. I would look, you know, I, like, I like points of conflict. The, the other thing that I'd do is I'd, I'd look at the, the, the driving force you know, behind this technology or whatever it is, behind this right. scientific why. principle, the why, and I'd, I'd ask myself, so how far does it extend? Because right now, most of the poisons we use against insects are designed to destroy insect metabolisms without hurting human metabolisms, but some of them do. But if you pour hydrochloric acid on an insect, it still dies. Right. Now, the question is, in this environment, does that still work or doesn't it? Right. And, and you that's... Would... Yeah, yeah you, and, you have complete freedom to yeah, decide it's, that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and what, I'm, what I'm suggesting is that if the hydrochloric acid still works, then we're telling a science fiction tale with molecular biology at its core. If the hydrochloric acid has stopped working, we are telling an urban fantasy in which the insects have developed magic. <laughs> okay? And, okay. And, and, but, but no, see, that's, you're, you're right. right. That's yeah. where we take okay. that's where we take the idea. So, so let, let me define this. Mm -hmm. Let me define this for our listeners. Dan is going to the conflict. You're going to boundaries. You're saying, mm -hmm. what are the boundaries of this story? What type of story am I telling? Um, if you step backward, where this idea originated from was me reading an article online where they were scientists were afraid that a certain type of insect was becoming immune to a certain type of pesticide, which I'm sure you've read and heard oh, about yeah. these things before. Very People common. are worried about superbugs and this sort of thing. And that just was one of those little ideas that lodged in my brain. And now, now we, we go through it. So my first step would be to start a book guide. If I assume I'm going to write a novel out of this, which is what I do with pretty much everything. So I would open up a book guide where I would say, okay, I've got... A, this, this feels like a setting idea for me. 
Yeah, um, it's maybe a it's a, idea. and it's a little bit of a plot idea because the conflict was already set in there. And so to balance out my book guide, I've got plot, setting, character. I would immediately start looking for characters. You need characters. I, I would need to decide, and this is a little bit partially boundaries, like you've talked about, and a little bit conflict, like you've talked about, because. For my characters, I'll need to know, am I t telling a deeply personal story about a couple of people caught up in this, the scientists that have mentioned or the farmers that have mentioned, or is this a more sweeping thing, or is it a, a Michael Crichton-style story where we're going to have a team of specialists who are going to be working on this? Is it adventure is fiction, or is it, is it more literary? What, what kind of story is it? And so I guess mm -hmm. the boundaries are, are important. Well, I think it's also important at, to look at the end. And I've learned that in my own writing, I have to start looking at the ending very early so that I can write towards it. And so at this point, I would look at it and say, well, where do I want this to end? Do I want someone to solve this problem right. uh, by, by reversing it? Or do I want this to be, you know, is the problem solved by humanity finding an alternate food source? Or is the problem solved in a completely different way? And let's figure out what the resolution is going to be and then work backwards. Or you have from to there. learn dark black bug magic. So you start <laughs> dark killing black the bug, bug wizards. Yeah. Um, I like that idea. That's got to be our writing prompt, Bugs Discover Magic. That's, I, I like it. And the, one of the reasons I like it is that the idea that you've described is very similar to Frank Herbert's The Green Brain, in which uh, we have a few countries where pesticides aren't working, and everywhere else, or you know, a lot of other places, uh, the only bugs are bugs that are completely controlled by people. Mm -hmm. And you know, the populations and everything, and the crops in those places, that was Jordo dropping his zoon. <laughs> uh, the crops in those places have failed. And yeah. the big reveal in Frank Herbert's The Green Brain, I'm sorry, the statute of limitations has passed. It was written in the 80s. The big reveal there is that uh, the bugs have a hive intelligence right. that extends beyond their species, and they are actually trying to save the planet because we keep killing them and we don't understand the ecosystem as well as they do. Well, and yeah, I think this gets us back into what type of story do we want to tell? Right. And our, our end, our goal is going to be, have a lot to influence that. Um, and it's, it's for me then, it's, well, I read The Green Brain, I don't want to do The I, Green Brain. I don't brain. want to do that again because that was Frank <laughs> Herbert, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not Frank Herbert and I'm not Kevin J. Anderson. So, um, uh, well, so, 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 so bugs and magic is where I'd. Okay. Well, let's take that. And, yeah. Uh, let's let's all take and that and roll on. with it. Where okay. we've got bugs have discovered magic, which makes them immune to pesticides. What is our next step? Where do you go from there? You've decided you're writing an urban fantasy and or, or sort of thing. We're going to mm -hmm. assume it's set on this world, our time. But bugs have discovered magic. Now what? Dan. Okay, well for me, the thing is, let's take this even further. If bugs have discovered this kind of defensive magic, how long before they discover some kind of offensive magic? Okay. What, you know, how much further will this idea progress by the time the story is done? Okay. And so I start looking at interesting ideas. Well, what would a bug do with offensive magic? Would they just make it easier for them to eat plants? Would they suddenly become much more hostile to humans than they are? I mean, if we're talking about locusts, they're hostile primarily because they eat all our food, not because right. they come and kill us in, mm -hmm. in our sleep. 
And so figuring out where this is going to go next is what I would do. Orc army ants. <laughs> is is this little tiny, With little tiny swords and little mm -hmm. white handprints on their noggins. Well, nice. My, my first inclination at this point would be to start saying, okay, what has been done before and how can I make it something new? That's very important to me when writing science fiction and fantasy. And you bringing up the Zerg, um, makes me worry about this and also the concept of the the bug aliens as a as a whole genre i don't want to go but those there. are all yeah we i don't want to go there yeah. either and those are all big bugs right and I, I want to remain little bugs and i don't think we want bugs that are sentient i think that we've got bugs who have simply evolved to the point that they're tapping on some sort of magical source and it's just they're still bugs mm -hmm. but somehow they're managing to use this magic Howard, where are you, how are you, let's get to the nuts and bolts. How are you actually developing this now? Yeah, developing the magic system or the developing plot? The, or, the, because the, at this the, point, I need, a, I need a character who's in okay. pain. You need a character who's in pain. That's because, like we said, we're unbalanced. We have a lot of conflict. We've got a lot of, um, of plot. We don't have a lot of character. Yeah, I think taking, a, taking, a, taking the plucky farmer's daughter uh -huh. who doesn't want to be on the farm anymore and is moving to the city and this happens, and the city folk she's hanging out with, you know, maybe at school or whatever, uh, just completely don't understand, don't see how serious this is. But she's plugged in and does understand how serious this is, uh, but she doesn't want to go back on the farm. She's not studying agriculture. She's studying, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going marine to marine biology. Marine biology. No, yeah, marine biology. That's and good. music. Okay. She sings yeah. with whales. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and add to this um, as we're, we're shaping this out. I feel that we we need something in the past that'll work with this. So I'm going to I'm going to nudge it toward magic realism, and I'm going to say there is among whichever nationality her parents were, they're immigrants. Yeah. There is an understanding of a folk magic that involves this sort of thing. Um, and at this point, I would start digging into folk magic. I'd start doing yep. research and I'd say, okay, which culture do I want to use? Where, what country do I want to go to? And how am I going to use that to relate to this magic? Something that's, um, I, I'd probably go look at, look at Asian, East Asian, and say, okay, let's, let's look at some of these magics involved nature and how, how we can actually apply this. Um, but the point here is not to show you how good or how lame we are at <laughs> coming up with stories off the cuff. The point here is to actually dig into it and say, this is yeah, how we, we do it. We want to look at the process. We want to look at the process. We're going to pause right now for a, for a break. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And when we come back, we will dig into process. Can we break for a pause instead? This week's episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible.com, and they've given me the opportunity to pitch an audiobook that I really like. And I'm here to pitch Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. If you think that Aragon was ripping off Star Wars, if you think that Star Wars was ripping off Lord of the Rings, you need to read or have read to you Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell because he goes through what he calls the monomyth and dissects it and explains it and talks about how mythology, mythology infuses all of our literature and all of our religion and all kinds of, all of our things. It's just, it's mind-blowing. I really, really enjoyed this book, and it was the first audio book I ever listened to. Um, so there you go. Hero with a Thousand Faces, Joseph Campbell, available at audible.com. And we're back! And we're back. All right. So let's try and look at process. Let's not extrapolate any mm-hmm. further on this story Good because bit. that's just going to get us into trouble. Let's, let's look at what we actually would do. With me, I'm doing using the book guide. This is the process I use. When you say the book guide. Um, I've talked about it before on the, on, on the podcast, but what it is, it's a file that is split up. I use the Microsoft Word document map feature, which allows me to build oh, an outline. Okay. And I put down plot setting character. Um, and usually it's actually reversed, it's character setting plot, and I will start throwing ideas, brainstorming-wise, in under these three headings. Just mm-hmm. lists yep. and lists of ideas that apply to this, uh, often in bullet points. And some of those will spawn other ideas that start making bigger ideas, and my brainstorming session will eventually turn into the plot structure and the character, right. people call them dossiers, and all these things will yeah. grow out of my brainstorming session, the actual file. And so, and as I'm discarding ideas, I actually throw them in a place at the bottom called the trash pit, where all these ideas just get tossed. Some of those will eventually get pulled out and stuck into another file of just random good ideas. Um, some of them will are just too bad to even consider. Um, and I, I will call, actually I call that area the boneyard. Boneyard. Because that way, when I bring them back from the boneyard, they're like zombies. Uh, and if I decide to get rid of them, I'm just burying them. There you go. Yeah. But I don't have to call any of my ideas trash. The next process I would use was actually, would actually be to get out that file of old ideas that were cool that didn't yep. fit into another story, and I will look at them point by point and say, it, do any of these apply to this story? What's going on here is something we've talked about on the podcast before, which is where I think that a novel, particularly any story, needs more than one good idea. It needs mm-hmm. more than one good idea. I go back and I look for characters that I've discarded character concepts where I thought, you know, it'd be fun to do a character who is uh, a martial artist, but but will not, you know, is religiously opposed to using weapons Mm -hmm. and then put them in an environment where everybody else is using weapons just because that's silly. And that hasn't shown up in schlock yet because I haven't found the right place for it. But every time I bring up a new story, that character rears his or her head and I look and I say, and this is not where you fit. 
Um, and so right. I've, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a set of those dossiers that keep coming up. Mm -hmm. um, those are all in my, uh, it's actually called cool stuff that needs to be used sometime file. That's the yeah. entire name of it. Um, <laughs> Dan? I have a process similar to Brandon's, but uh, that I, I do a specific thing that I don't, I don't know if he does, and I've talked about this before, is I will start a file and fill it with ideas of uh, cool set pieces. Uh, and I think I got this, like most of my story idea processes, from a role-playing game. Um, I will just take the idea that I'm working on and then say, what would be cool? You know, what would be a cool set piece? What would be a cool event? What would be a cool twist? What would be really interesting? And then just brainstorm as many of those as I can. Mm. What haven't I seen before? Exactly. And what, what fits with this idea? All right. Um, another thing that I'm doing at this point is I'm getting very goal-driven. Let's assume I've done all this brainstorming. I've looked at my other file. This is the point where really the goals need to happen because I cannot build the character and I cannot build the plot until I know where I'm going. But the setting, just lots of cool ideas can yeah. get thrown in there and stacked in there. And sure, I want them to interweave in these sorts of things, but and I'll start to say, okay, this character is going to be part of this cultural idea. This character is going to be intersecting this way, but I need those goals. I need an ending. Not everyone needs that. It sounds like everyone here at this podcast kind of does that, but <laughs> oh yeah, Howard, you sometimes just start writing. I start writing and noodling along, but as I am doing that, I'm thinking, okay, this character has some sort of purpose in mind. Hopefully two or three strips from now, I'll have figured that out. And when I do, I write that down so that, so that I can call back to it in you know two weeks or a month or two months, and it looks like I've been planning it the whole time. <laughs> Uh, when we were at Worldcon, Brandon and I were on a panel with Jay Lake, where we talked about writing, and we talked about you know our process and how Brandon and I both kind of start with the ending and figure out how to get there. And uh, Jay absolutely disagreed. He said that would bore me to tears to write that way. Mm -hmm. And he said that he just starts at the beginning, he goes from there, and the ending will be you know broadcast in the beginning. You know, if it is a coherent story, there will be you know, predictions and ominous warnings or whatever right from the right off the bat of how it's going to end and that he kind of works that way. It's it's a similar idea to what we do. He just starts it right. the other he end. He just does it in a straight line. Well, it's, yes. and that, that's very similar to very similar to what I'm doing in that as I write things, I look at them and say or ask myself, have I just made a promise to the reader? Have I promised, you know, by saying this, that something dire is going to happen along these lines or something wonderful is going to happen along these lines? Or in some way, you know, closure has to happen with regard to this little punchline I threw out three strips into the story. Um, and and that's, those are the things that I muse on. And hopefully I fulfill all those well, promises what you're doing is when I get to the end. Because of what you're hafting, the way you're hafting to do it, you are like a juggler who is tossing the balls really high up into the air as you're juggling the other ones. And you're just hoping that a hand will be free to grab that ball when it comes back down. <laughs> yep. And you're really good at juggling, so most of the time you do. Yep. And when I drop balls, I, I, wink, part I wink at the yeah. audience. I wink at the audience and say, I meant to drop that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're out of time, um, but um, let's go ahead and give you the writing prompt, which is the same idea that we used at the beginning. Insects have in some way evolved defenses against all of the poisons that we used to kill them, and many of the chemicals that would work to just kill anything because they have somehow developed magic. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.